Welcome back to Three Night Bender. The date is January 4th, and we are here to talk all things Orlando. I am joined with, uh, again, I'm Hauser, and I'm joined <laughs> with Boozos, as always. Uh, our audio is, is not the best. The content is pretty good, but we are the best-looking guys in radio, so... I would absolutely agree with that. <laughs> and we're here to do another... We both, we both have tremendous faces for radio. <laughs> Um, got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got the uh, the UCF bowl game that happened a couple weeks ago. We've got some things going on with Twitter and Taco Fall. Um, some AAC news. We've got some UCF basketball news, and also we have uh, Orlando Magic and NFL stuff that's happening. So we will discuss all that on today's show. But before we start, we always like to kick off with a beer, and I will let the booze man introduce our beer today. It is a white oak. Jai Alai, no, just kidding. High Lai. It's High Lai <laughs> by Cigar City. Cigar City High Lai. Right. It's their it's their White Oak IPA. I don't even remember. I think someone brought it over to our house and left it here, so we didn't purchase it. I'm not a big IPA guy, but it's actually pretty good. High Lai is a very good uh, moderate IPA. It's not killer, so it's a pretty decent beer, and it's local. I mean, it's it's in the other really crappy city in here in central florida not south florida central florida over in tampa and it's actually one of the better breweries you can possibly go to if you want to go to a brewery i highly recommend it if you haven't been to cigar city it's pretty fun i have not but i'm looking forward to this india pale ale okay so let's, let's crack it cheers and happy new year all right happy new year let's start her out here all right first thing ucf bowl definitely game not a chugging beer <laughs> versus marshall yeah i'm not a pale ale guy but i'm gonna enjoy this as, as much as i can um i went to the game i uh you, you watched it from home but i did we, we uh actually I didn't watch it from home i watched it on the road we were driving to south florida the real south florida <laughs> not tampa um we were on our way to my wife's uh fathers and that's where we watched the game we had it up on like my wife put it on the dashboard and we just played it on her phone how was the connectivity the whole way down there did you uh, cut out it, at all? It, it cut out a couple times like we had to turn off the espn app and turn it back on like maybe three or four times at the trip but for the most part we had pretty good reception we were able to see a lot of the major plays so it was pretty awesome well good well the, the game turned out i think as we expected a uh, big ucf win final score 48 25 um I know you've got some stats on the game, and, and I've got some game day experience I'll talk about after that if you want to give us some... Uh... Yeah, so I mean, it was a really... I mean, it was a great game for UCF. I think, didn't we jump up like 21 to nothing, like within like the first five minutes of the game? Yep. Uh, their quarterback, there was a pick six. There was a... Was there was it two pick sixes that got us up on that on defense, or was one a fumble recovery for a touchdown? Or I know defense scored two touchdowns in that game. Um, our offense didn't score for like the first four drives of the game because it was just defense taking the ball, scoring, Marshall gets back the ball. It, it was crazy. But, you know, Dylan Gabriel had another huge game, uh, threw for over almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles. Uh, McCray ran for 80 yards and a touchdown. I know Bentavious Thompson had almost 80 yards on a lot less carries. I think his average was like 8.5 yards per carry. I'm a big Bentavious Thompson fan. I've said this many times in the show. Uh, Marlon Williams, I think, had his big breakout game that showed that he could be the replacement for um, Gabriel Davis. Uh, I know that he doesn't have this. He's not the same size as Gabe Davis. I mean, Gabe Davis is 6'4", 210 pounds, and I believe Marlon is more in that 5'10 to 6' foot range. But, you know, he had seven catches for over 130 yards and a touchdown. So definitely showed that he can be the reliable receiver that we need going forward. Um, really excited because we get Jacob Harris back next year. You get Trey Nixon back next year. And we got that really, really good recruit out of Georgia who's like 6'4", 180 pounds and can straight fly down the field. So he can be another kid that we rotate in and get some really good touches next year. So 
uh, everything looks good. We have a very bright future looking for UCF, and we ended up winning, what, 48-25? Yep, that was the final score. And uh, you were mentioning receivers for next year. We also have that, that recruit out of Oklahoma who had to sit this yes, year. Yes, that's right. He, he he transferred over, and he's like he's decent size. I believe he's close to 5'10". He's, he's going to be a slot receiver. He's going to one of those guys you can just jump off the ball, and he's going to make some people miss and look stupid. Kind of like a, almost in an, uh, an Otis Anderson role. Um, not as small and as compact as Otis, but he's shifty, and he's going to be able to kind of guy we want to get the ball in space. So we're going to have some pretty amazing skill players for the 2020 season. Well, for the bowl game, I'm sure you watched a lot more of it than me. I was at the game. I was in the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the first row, but I was not uh, coherent to watch the game as much as I should have been. Um, I did get to shake hands with uh, Gabe Davis. He was on the sidelines, so he was talking to some of the fans. Um, I That's really cool. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy, and I, I told him I was going to watch him in the NFL, and he just kind of gave me a... A look like, hey, <laughs> go get some water, buddy. <laughs> but um, Killens was not at the game, uh, or I didn't see him at least. Um, but the the experience as a fan going to watch that game, we had a good turnout, I thought. Uh, I think the announced crowd was, was 24,000 or something, but the actual crowd was something like 15. Yeah. Um, I, actually, I think it was over, over 30,000 as far as the announced in terms of tickets that were sold or given out okay. and accepted by people. And then the actual attendance was like close to 16,000, which, you know, it's a work day. It's a Monday. It's two days before Christmas. It's a 2.30 p.m. game. It, that is, a di- I mean, would people have gotten off of work and went to the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, that's that's a much bit more prestigious bowl. But when you have a bowl like the Gasparilla, I mean, unf- I don't want to make excuses. It, you know, people don't get as excited for, you know, a mid to low tier bowl. And even though it was right down the, uh, the road, it wasn't exactly convenient in terms of, you know what people needed you got a lot of people that take off time to, for christmas and they couldn't take off time for the bowl game because they were already taken off christmas eve and christmas or new year's or something like that so if it would have been when it has been in the last couple years which was the week prior to when it was actually played i believe last year it was on the like 16th or 17th or something like that that might have given people a little more opportunity to actually take time off and go to that game but as close as it was to christmas i think it's a big reason why the attendance was so poor well, I was sitting in the UCF section, and it looked like all those sections were full, at least like the allotment tickets, the, the sections right in front were mm-hmm. completely full. But looking around the rest of the stadium, there wasn't a soul in the other part of the stadium. I mean, I, I think Marshall maybe had 100 fans there, and then just uh, other people who would have come into the game naturally during that day probably were scared off by the rain, yeah, didn't like help. you said, work. Um, you know, we, we kind of learned how much of a non-football bowl experience it was when we showed up to... Uh, you know, go to a bar and have some beers to get ready for the game at 9 a.m. And, and nothing was open. <laughs> so, I mean, you would think like bars right next to the stadium would be open, but it was it was just a normal day for most people around there. We did make it into a little bit of tailgating before we went in, um, but the rain just had everybody under the, uh, the stadium and not in the stands uh, when the game began. Uh, a lot of people bought uh, trash bags from oh, the wow. vendors there to use as ponchos. Um, and found a way out there. It, it eventually stopped raining so heavily, you know, later on, um, and it got a little better. But I mean, I was I was sitting next to Probs. Uh, he mm-hmm. was dressed up as San- Santa San- Claus. Santa Probs. Yeah, um, we were dressed up as pirates. Some of our friends that we brought with us were not into the uh, the spirit that we were. 
um, the one of my buddy's wives came with us, and she was wrapped up in two trash cans. She looked like a uh, a plastic slug sitting there, just <laughs> trying to get through the game. But was that Michelle? Michelle, yeah. Oh. She. But uh, you know, the chef showed up. My buddy Sean, who mm-hmm. always uh, wears his aprons to the game, and he's kind of known as a. Uh, he's the UCF chef. He's the. He's like, the well, chef. You, you got the Swedish chef, but he's the UCF, <laughs> and he, he kind of looks like a muppet. So that works. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that about him, but. <laughs> Um, overall, the game day experience was cool for the guys who were there. Um, hopefully, we can get into a better bowl game or at least a better opponent next year. Um, but we got a lot of big things on the horizon, and, and UCF was able to finish with the 10-win season, which is what we needed. I think that's got to be the bare minimum, like the marker from here on out, is double digits. We're in a conference that isn't as prestigious, obviously, as we consider the Power Five. The opponents are hit and miss. We're very top-heavy. We've got four, we've got four or five consistently pretty good teams and then the bottom half of our conference like most conferences in college football are pretty poor so there's no reason why we should not be competing especially with our non-conference opponents i mean we're going to talk a little bit about you know our season opener next year um but with that said we don't play the the creme de la creme so to speak of power five opponents unfortunately we're, we're not playing florida or Bama or ohio state or michigan or anything like that consistently like we have sporadically but um there's no reason why we can't achieve 10 11 win seasons consistently doesn't mean you can't drop a game it's college football it's really hard to get 18 to 20 year olds totally motivated to win every single game every single year that's not going to happen but you know dropping one to a good conference opponent you know should be not necessarily accepted but it should be tolerable you should be able to go okay yeah we lost to cincinnati it's a pretty good football team they're probably they're going to end with 10 wins this year and ranked so losing to them isn't isn't a big deal but losing to uh tulsa should never happen right so that i think i think we have our marker of what should be the fan expectation and i, and I, th- I don't think that's unreasonable or unrealistic for us to expect 10 win seasons here on out yep and so the 2019 season is over we're headed into the 2020 season now um some big news happened over the weekend we've got a new coach who is involved with us now he's uh alex golsh Yep, I believe it's, I believe it's pronounced Golish. Golish. I could be wrong. I believe it's Alex Golish, though. What can you tell us about him? Uh, well, he was the tight end and recruiting coordinator for Iowa State, which is a you know a power conference. Pretty cool that we can actually get a guy who is who's coached at really nothing but power conferences over the last decade. Uh, prior to um, the two schools that he was at, he, he was in the Big Twelve. He was in the Big Ten, and then before that, he was in. Uh, Toledo, I believe that he actually coached with Matt Campbell, who is the head coach of Iowa State right now at Toledo. They had a, quite a few hugely like offensive, like explosive seasons in the MAC, where they were one of the top five scoring and offensive teams in college football. Um, and Matt Campbell obviously eventually was able to move up, and he took the job over at Iowa State. And I think after Toledo, uh, Alex went to um, Illinois for a couple years, which is a power five school in the big 10. And then he made his way over to Iowa state was very, very important to that staff. He was a recruiting coordinator, um, has experience bringing in top 50, 40 recruiting classes, which for a place like Iowa state, I mean, if, if, if we get that one fan who who's from Iowa or lives in Iowa, listening to this podcast, no offense to you, but it's Iowa. Like it's really hard to pull Florida recruits all the way up to Iowa. And not even like their biggest city. I don't. I, I can't even remember where Iowa State's located. To be honest, I know that Iowa, I believe, is not is either in or not far from Des Moines, like the capital. Uh-huh. But I'm not. I'm not even 100 percent sure where Iowa State is, and I feel bad saying that. I should have researched that. Where's Iowa? It's <laughs> on a map. Can we find it? It's in the middle of the country. I know that. <laughs> it's close to like Arkansas, and I'm not even. I'm just gonna say Arkansas. I don't like yeah. saying Arkansas. It's Arkansas. <laughs> 
Kansas. It's kind of, you know kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It might not even exist. It could be a government conspiracy. Um, but with that said, <laughs> I'm uh, pretty sure it's near some cows. You know, there's lots there's of cows. Probably there's some corn. There's a lot of wheat. There. There's a lot of wheat yeah, out wheat. there. <laughs> a lot yeah. of there's no lakes. There's no water. There's no Disney. There's no ocean and beaches. It's you know I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a pretty I'm sure it's pretty. There's probably some nice stuff that you can see there. Maybe in like one or two parts of the state. It's not Florida. But, you know, anyway, he, he had 10 Florida kids on that roster. You know how hard it is to pull kids from South Florida and Central Florida and make them go to Iowa? I mean, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go either. So, with that said, you know, he knows what he's doing recruiting-wise. He's coming in to be the offensive coordinator. Iowa State has had a very good offense for a long time. Matt Campbell has built a pretty good football team over there. They consistently get eight wins. They've been become known, like, in, in like the lower Power 5 teams as, like, the giant killer. Because they somehow always pull off a big upset on someone like Oklahoma. Like, I think they're one of the few teams that has beaten Oklahoma over the last four years. So, you know, they have a pretty good team over there, and he was a major part of that. So coming over to be our offensive coordinator is going to be pretty big. I don't think that Heupel is probably going to be giving up his play-calling duties anytime soon. So don't expect uh, Golish to be the guy who's going to be calling all the plays, per se. But it doesn't mean he's not important, because the offensive coordinator still runs the offense from a, you know, a um, logistical standpoint. He's going to run all the practices. He's got to come up with a game plan. He's going to know all of this stuff. And, you know, I've, I imagine someone as prestigious, not, I want to say prestigious, but someone coming from a Power 5 school has probably, you know, talked to um, the head coach about that. Of If I'm going to be going to the school, I'm, maybe I don't call plays this year, but I expect it to happen in the near future. Like, I'm not just going there just to get a title and do the same thing I was doing before. He's coming here for a promotion. So right. I, I expect big things. I think it's going to be pretty good. I think he's a good replacement for Levy. Because Le- Lebby was a good, he was a good recruiter too. So, yeah, and that's something we could always use is, is better recruits. Um, I think we have a good class coming in. We talked about that before. We have a great class coming in. I, I think uh, the spring game is going to be interesting. We got our two quarterbacks coming back that mm-hmm. are, are our, you know mostly used quarterbacks. So that's that's going to help us out a lot. Um, We've got that walk on quarterback from Wakiva who we talked about. Yeah, and we got hopefully you know Milton comes back from injury. So we might have four quarterbacks in that room. We don't yet have an official quarterback coach. I could always see Heupel working very closely with the quarterbacks as, you know, in, in, until they find someone. I mean, obviously, he's a former college quarterback as well, and he's kind of a quarterback whisperer. He turned Drew Locke into a competent quarterback because before he was at Missouri, Drew Locke was straight hot trash, and he made him a first-round draft pick, so there's that too. Well, let's take a break here and talk about a, uh, a different aspect of UCF, um, our UCF Twitter Mafia Hero of the Week. We don't have a specific guy but there is something that's trending pretty heavily on Twitter and in the NBA. Um, our our uh, one of our own Taco Fall is in the running for being <laughs> in this year's NBA All Star Game based yes. on the fan vote, and uh, a lot of that is coming from the Twitter Mafia promoting that and getting more votes for Taco Fall. But he's he's uh, he's had an interesting year, and this would be an amazing feat if he was actually able to pay, play for the, uh, the NBA all-star game. If he's in the NBA all-star game for only playing three games, having 11 minutes and like 13 points would be unheard of. It's literally that. And that's why, as you, you we said before the show, we're like, this might be the last year. The fan vote is what's going to happen for the all-star game, because that is asinine. There Taco Fall has no business playing in the all-star game, but I'm super excited if he does. Like I'll watch the hell out of that game. If he's playing, it's going to oh, be yeah. amazing, but he, he has definitely not earned the ability to be an all-star. That'd be amazing if, as a rookie, he's an all-star with 
three games under Imagine how cool that would be to be a guy right out of college. You know, you made your way into the NBA, but you're kind of in the minor leagues of the NBA. Mm-hmm. You've got some NBA experience, but you're going to go play in a game with all the guys that you looked up to, you know, your entire yeah. high school and, and collegiate career um, watching the NBA. And you're going to be side by side playing with these guys. If you get high enough votes, maybe you'll even be a starter. I mean, that would uh-huh. just be insane. It would be insane. I mean, I mean he's become like a cult icon in, in Boston. Boston adores this man. He conducted the Boston Orchestra. I don't know if you've seen that video viral on social media. Oh, I did, yep. Yeah, so I mean, like, he's becoming a, a fan favorite, and it's amazing. He deserves it. You know, maybe he could have had something similar as a following here in Orlando, but I don't know. I mean, Boston's a pretty big city with a much stronger fan base in Orlando. So I don't know if he would have reached the heights that he's reaching in Boston so quickly. But, you know, it, I'm, I'm happy to see it. He deserves every ounce. He's a great guy. So, Absolutely. We're all very happy for him. And just a, just a recap of his, uh, his points and his, his game time. He's played 11 minutes. Yep. He scored 13 <laughs> points, which, I mean, if you, if you just did the math, he'd be up there with all the all-stars as far as yeah, his production. What his, his, his per minute average per game is like four minutes a game or something like that. So if you take his 4.3, because like, uh, let's do the math here, because I'm, I'm a former math teacher, and I have a calculator on my computer. So if we do, the average start in the NBA is 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So if we convert his three or four minutes and make it 30, or I was making something comparable like you know 28, that means he would be averaging 28 points a game. He would be averaging 28, re- what's his rebounds? Isn't it like three point something? Be averaging like 21 rebounds a game. Be averaging something absurd like eight blocks a game. He would be a complete stud. Yeah. If you looked at the averages of what he would be if he played 30 minutes per game or 40 minutes per game as a starter in the NBA. So, you know, in his small sample size, he's proving he can do it for the tiny little micro minutes he's actually getting. And he's been playing garbage time, let's be honest. But if you've you've seen on Twitter where he gets called into the game by the... uh, the fans are going nuts, chanting his name, and they and someone's got a camera on the coach, and he's just like kind of hams it up with the uh, the crowd and gets the crowd into it. They're all cheering Taco, Taco, even louder. And then he he go ahead and give the signal, and and uh, Taco comes running down the court and strips off his thing with the biggest grin on his face. It's just an inspirational moment. That's a really cool clip on Twitter. If you haven't seen that, uh, find that because that's a, a really fun thing to watch. And he's got he's got the perfect head coach form in Brad Stevens, who's a young coach who's excitable like that. He, I mean, that, that that's what Stevens did is he's just sitting there and he's just getting the crowd involved and he's smirking the whole time. He's loving it. So he's in a perfect situation also with a really, really, really phenomenal head coach. That's going to help him as a player grow really fast. I can, I think Taco will be starting for Boston at least. I don't know, maybe even about next year, but by 2021, he should be the guy in terms of center for Boston. And we'll see what he can do from there. Well, good luck to Taco. We'll keep watching you and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the, in the all-star game coming up here but let's get back to some other AAC news we've got um our our opponent for next year and our home opener is going to be the university of north carolina mm-hmm. uh, they played in the military bowl which ucf would have liked to have been in rather than the bowl they were in which was sponsored by north grumman a company my father's worked for for 30 years i did not know that yes yeah, so that would have been awesome if you know we could have had that game we probably would have got box seats uh, hell something. yeah we would have gotten i would have been like that like my dad was like in running for like one of the regional vice president positions like if you can't get box seats to this football game i'll kill you <laughs> so that would have been pretty sweet to go so they did play temple 
uh, a team we played this year and uh, really kind of blew the doors off Temple. They beat them 55-13. to 13. Yeah, it, it wasn't even close. North Carolina beat the snot. I watched most of that game, and I'm excited for one of the for the big player for North Carolina, Sam Howell, which I remember when, uh, when uh, PFF, which is Pro Football Focus, they're a major um, uh, database slash, you know, they do a lot of analytics of football and give ratings and stuff like that on, on, on social media and you know, they're they're one of the more respected. I want to say respected, uh, like like ESPN is for um, sports statistics when it comes to football. And we were uh, not we were, but uh, Dylan Gabriel was the first team all freshman from Pro Football Focus in terms of what he did because he had the highest efficiency as a quarterback. And a lot of North Carolina fans were really angry that Sam Howell was not in the first team. And I kind of just raised my eyebrow, and I didn't really look into it all that much, and mostly because it was also a bunch of Arizona State fans clamoring for their quarterback, who's also a freshman, and told Arizona State to go shut up because they've been irrelevant for 25 years, and who cares what they have to say. But North Carolina, when I watched that game, I understand why. Sam Howell is a freaking stud. That kid can throw the football. He had over 30 touchdowns, and like I believe he stayed under 10 interceptions for the season. Had over 3,500 yards. He can run. I believe he was North Carolina's leading rusher that game. In the military bowl, he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns against Temple, who had a, it was a pretty solid defense. They have three great linebackers at Temple. So they have a lot of kids coming back for that North Carolina team. They're very young. Um, their head coach is um, Mac Brown, who was the head coach at Texas throughout the 2000s, the one that, uh, that national title with uh, Vince Young. So he knows what he's doing. And I believe he coached at North Carolina prior to that. I think he was either their head coach or, or defensive coordinator or something, a part of that program for you know way back in the day. But he's turned them around pretty quickly. I mean, North Carolina was, they were great earlier this decade. And then they had Mitch Trubisky, who obviously now plays for the Chicago Bears, who had, you know, a half-decent year with them, but became the first or second overall pick in the draft. And that kid's going to be a star for a very long time. He's going to be maybe a, a first-round pick at some point in his career. So, Well, I've heard a lot about him, and I've heard the comparisons with Dylan Gabriel. Probably the two best freshman quarterbacks in the league this year. Um, oh, yeah. In the nation, by, by far. They're, they're phenomenal. Right. And, uh, you know, that's our 2020 home opener. Uh, UNC, like you said, has been getting better and better. They took Clemson to the wire this year. They did. I think they beat. 28-27, to 27, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Super close game. Um, so this is going to be a big-time game for us next year. I don't know if they will be ranked when we see them. For the home opener, I don't know if we will be ranked. Hopefully, we both will because it'll be a marquee game. It should be on a Friday night, and uh, it's. Uh, I mean, the thing about this game, though, and as much as I respect Mac Brown, he did have a quote earlier, either this year or last year, that he thought that the G fives should play their own playoff game and have their own championship. And to me, that irks me so bad that I'm going to be super hyped for this game, and I'm hoping the players see that quote as well. And, uh, and they think about that every day before they go out and play, that this guy thinks that you are beneath them, that he thinks you are not in Division One FBS football. And um, I think that's going to be a big one. Oh, absolutely. I think, like you said, I think it is a marquee game to kick off the 2020 college football year. And you, you never know. We'll see what kind of, you know, we'll have to look at that schedule and see what other games are going on that week. But if we're both ranked in the top 25 preseason with two marquee freshman quarterbacks, or at that point sophomore quarterbacks, that are you know nationally recognized and you know are freshman all American, that might be something you consider for you know a prime time game slot. Like you change the game time and you put us on you know a high end network or even dare I say college game day. 
Well, I mean, that'd be. Pretty I think freaking... it's a Friday night game, so I think it's going to be a big time. Oh yeah, so that wouldn't game. It couldn't be. It couldn't be college game day then. But you know, no. that, that can at least be a huge game for us. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, and it's early in the season. I mean, everybody's going to be wanting to see any college football at that point. I mm-hmm. mean, I'll I'll watch Akron play. You know, Charleston Southern or whatever. I just want I to see go. college football at that point. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Akron. <laughs> um, but some other some other uh, AAC news. We had Memphis playing Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. It was a big game. It was uh, very close for a while. Penn State pulled away at the end, but mm-hmm. uh, Memphis gave them all they could handle. They were winning the game for a little while. but um, and That was kind of to be expected after their head coach leaves for Florida State. Yeah. You, kind of ex- you, you don't, you know, it's difficult to do. Those kids are probably pretty deflated. And the, the guy who was coaching Memphis, I think he had some U- UCF ties. Uh, uh, I think he was like a, a grad assistant at UCF a long time ago or something like that. They were they were mentioning it during the, the game. Um Navy won a big game the other day against Kansas State, uh, so that that bodes well for the mm-hmm. for the league. I mean, Memphis will continue to be ranked. Navy was ranked, and they they beat a good Kansas State team, twenty to seventeen. So they'll mm-hmm. be ranked as well. Um, one big letdown we had was SMU. <coughs> yeah, losing to Florida Atlantic. Oh my God, they got crushed, fifty-two to twenty-eight to Florida Atlantic. And uh, I, I mean, talk about a fall from grace. They were like the creme de la creme of our league for at least two-thirds of the year, yeah. and then they lose to Memphis. And it was just like at that point they were like, yeah, we're done. We don't care. And just their season just went complete crap. And they still won, I think, 10 games this year. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, that, that the thing that, about that game, though, is everyone knew that SMU had won 10 games. FAU had a great year besides playing us. We crushed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think FAU is going to get the nod over us in the uh, the top 25 ranking for the AP poll just because people won't pay attention to that. I mean, we beat the hell out of FAU. Mm-hmm. We stomped them. Um, and we also just beat Marshall, who beat them as well. So if you're not looking at things closely, I don't think that UCF is going to be ranked over FAU at the end of the year, although I feel like they should be. Um, but we'll just see how that kind of plays out with the mm-hmm. AP voters. Um, Cincinnati, you know, crushed BC the other day. BC was a 6-6 six and six team. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some chatter that they actually wanted to get the game canceled because of the weather. It got delayed for a while, and there was some chatter on Twitter that the, uh, that the uh, AD from... Boston, Boston College. Boston College Let's just cancel the game. Yeah, just worry wanted, about it. They didn't want a losing season. Exactly. And so now they're they're uh, six and seven. Cincinnati crushed them thirty eight to six. Um, and Tulane and Southern Miss are playing right now. Um, I don't know what the current score is, but at halftime, Tulane was losing uh, thirteen to six to Southern Miss. So those are some other games that are going on in the AAC. Um, you know, we've got some other. UCF football news, uh, Quadri Jones, who we knew was on the in the transfer portal. He actually signed with a team. He's going to South Alabama. Yeah, good for him. That's yeah. awesome. You know, local kid goes plays at Jones High School, takes him to, I believe, two or three regional championships. So he's a great he's a great kid, great player. I think he can do big things at South Alabama for sure. Yeah. And he gets and he gets to start right away. So yeah. and it gives us a reason to watch the South Alabama game this year. So that's very true. We'll be cheering for him. Um, South Alabama is that the Jaguars? <laughs> Or is that their, oh, I thought you meant is that like the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, no, no, no yeah, 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 you're right. South Alabama is the Jaguars. Yeah, was, yeah, so they're a Sun Belt team. I was thinking that was just. I like, went, I went to their campus um, on my college tour this past summer, and it was actually a really nice campus. They have a brand new um, outdoor practice field, outdoor, but like in like a, it's a covered practice field. It's not like ours; it's actually indoor. Mm-hmm. It's got open in its size, but it's like they're building a new on-campus stadium. It's going to look gorgeous. I saw the concept art; it looks really cool. It's actually like built on into the ground, so it's pretty cool looking. Um, but their practice field is on like a big hill 
and it gets this constant breeze. When we went in there, I actually got cold. Like it was, it's summertime, it's June. We're in South Alabama. It's supposed to be like 90 degrees scorching. And we're in the practice field and the constant blowing of that breeze coming up the hill from like over a mountain that they're behind was awesome. So really nice facility. Everything's like really up to date. They're redoing their weight room. They're redoing the locker room. They're redoing their meeting room. They're putting a lot of money into that program. So good for him to be able to go in there and actually like be a part of that rebuild. It's going to be pretty awesome. Well, when you do those, those uh, traveling camps and stuff, do, does any of the facilities of some of the smaller schools like really impress the kids that yeah i mean we the one that blew me away um that i couldn't believe was as great as it was was uh, mississippi state okay. i mean it's an sec school but mississippi state hasn't been good i mean they've had winning seasons here and there and dan mullen obviously you know they beat alabama one year and but they're that they're that school that they'll beat a big a big name once every five years and then you really don't hear from them again you know they had dak prescott and they had a couple eight win seasons but their facilities had my jaw on the floor. Like their weight room is three times bigger than this house that we're in right now. They have a locker room that is top notch state of the art. Their stadium locker room is, is nicer than Alabama's to be quite frank. They got really nice uniforms. Their meeting room was state of the art. Like they, they've put tens of millions of dollars in that park, which helps when they get a $40 million TV contract. Right. Um, but no, like some of those schools that I didn't expect, like, they blew me away. Tulane has some really, really nice things that they're going to be doing, which they're actually winning right now. I think they were up 23 to um, 13 oh, okay. going into the third quarter. They so they brought it back. But they had beautiful facilities that they're redoing as well. Their locker room was amazing. And they're redoing a whole new weight room. And they're a small private school, but they're putting a lot of money into their program as well. Um, I'm trying to think what like where else we went that was great. I mean, Alabama was exactly what you would expect it to be. Like, right. so they had some ridiculous facilities. Um, do the kids like UCF's facility? I mean, do you guys yeah, stop by there? No, we, 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 well, we went to UCF a couple of years ago, but the kids love UCF's facilities, and especially I'm excited to see their new building that they're, that, that they're using to connect the um, original football facility to the, uh, the, outdoor, or the indoor practice facility. I, I've, I've not seen anything regarding that. I know the weight room is state-of-the-art. Right. It looks ridiculous. And their old weight room is beautiful as well. And I heard they were getting a new one. I was like, why? Like the old one is perfectly fine. You don't need a new one, but they did a phenomenal job. It looks great. The kids, you know, we're definitely investing into our athletic program and I'm excited to see what this, you know, all of the athletic village is going to look like with, you know, the lazy river. And we've got that beautiful state of the art nutrition center. We got some really cool stuff. Louisiana Lafayette had a really nice facility as well. Their stadium was kind of, it was okay. And Southern, Southern Miss, we're talking about Southern Miss in the bowl game. We went there. They had some nice stuff. It was, it definitely had an older feel. I mean, they had a really cool, uh, like, you know, homage to Brett Farr who played there in, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. Um, but they were kind of, their stadium had a really cool, like mystic feel to it when you go in and you, you know, you know that they've had some legendary players play there. It was pretty cool. They call it the rock. Um, so yes, there's definitely some places that some of the kids are like, wow, like I could play here. This is great. Like I, you kind of understand why a kid may go to, you know, Lafayette, Louisiana, which is out in the middle of nowhere and it's balls hot. <laughs> Lafayette, Louisiana was hot as crap. Yeah. So, you know, to go so far away from home and then, and play at a smaller school like that in the Sun Belt, Troy was another, another huge one that was gorgeous. And so, you know, I definitely see why kids go there because, they and that's how they get the kids you know you, the kids are excited by new shiny things they're you know they're kids that's what they do they want to see they want the newest and the latest stuff and as long as you put that in your facilities you're always going to get someone's attention absolutely um let's talk about a couple other former UCF players who are doing some big things uh I saw you wrote down here that Rashad Kazi just signed with the Dolphins yeah he did he's on a futures contract so he should be on their uh practice squad and you know fighting for a roster spot next season for the Dolphins so that's pretty cool 
Uh, Will Stanback, everyone should remember him from that amazing hit against Rutgers in, in what was that, 2011, 2012? Is, is that the one there? where he was running the ball? Yeah, he got the ball. No, 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 it wasn't a run. I believe it was a swing pass. Okay. And he catches it and he goes up the sideline, like on the, on like the, the sideline marks, and just puts his shoulder down and ended someone's career like the kid i don't I, I don't remember that kid ever doing anything ever again i imagine he probably just quit <laughs> like you know kevin kevin love said when uh joe john mora like when he had that almost had that slam dunk on him kevin and kevin love was like I, i'm just gonna have to retire i'm pretty sure that kid just quit football because <laughs> stand back the, i just remember that the hit i was at that game i was watching it the hit you could it was echoed through the stadium you hear everyone Ooh! the moment it happened, so it was it was amazing. There was another big one that people show all the time where he uh, he was on the kickoff team. And, yeah, what, he was a kid that he, he made a somebody. huge hit and made him fumble and we got the ball back. That yeah. was against Memphis. We yeah, were losing yeah, that right, game. That that's helped that's us right. win the game. Yeah, you're right. So um, Stanback is a, was a great player for us. He got kicked off the team after his sophomore year by George O'Leary because he was he was smoking pot, but. You know, whatever. I mean, that's kind of a stupid reason to kick a kid completely off the team. But now he's signing with the Oakland Raiders, which might be a good spot for him. I and mean, they they have they have arguably rookie of the year in uh, Jacobs, their running back from Alabama, who had a phenomenal season for Oakland. So we'll see what he does behind him. And then you you're the one that brought up Rashad Perryman with the Bucks having a resurgent like a career resurgence. Um, last four games of the year, three of those four games caught for over 110 yards, and he had five of his six touchdowns in his last three with three against the Lions, three touchdowns in one game. Yeah, they said I think that was a, a record for a Bucks player mm-hmm. was to have three touchdowns. He tied somebody else who had yeah. three touchdowns in a game. So. so Mike Evans screws over my fantasy team getting hurt and put on IR, and then Rashad Perryman just exploded. And he, he they're going to resign him for sure. He was on a one-year contract, so he's definitely going to be retained, I would imagine. Good for him. I mean, he's been floating around for a little while trying to find yeah. a place I mean, to go. First-round pick for Baltimore. He's hurt his entire rookie year. You know, doesn't really do a lot his second year. And then he, I don't remember if he got traded or if he was cut and picked up by the Browns. Doesn't really do anything for the Browns. Then he comes to the Bucks and has, it just blows up. And that's great. He's right down the road from us. So, you know, good for him. We'll be rooting for him the whole way. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up our, uh, our football talk there. But uh, let's move on to basketball. We've got UCF's men's basketball Um They've uh, been in a little bit of a slide here. They've lost their last three games since we've talked. They're now mm-hmm. nine and five. Um, I know you watched the Oklahoma game a little bit. What can you tell us about that? Uh, I mean, we, we kept it close with Oklahoma for a while. They went, you know, we had a little bit of a run, and then they had a little bit of a run. It kind of went back and forth. And um, days on, it had a great game for us and kept us in it the whole way. And, you know, we had a really good opportunity to take the lead in the last minute. You know, stupid turnovers bad shots that's all it was you know we're, we're dragging up threes and they're getting the rebound taking it down we had plenty of opportunities to take that game over and just you know we let it slip through our fingers and we lose by one point so one point Jeez. one point yeah. um so we could have come back and won that game unfortunately and then we drop our first two conference games against uh temple and temple in the opener and then you did you watch any of the houston game i watched the houston game but the temple game i was checking the score and we were up most of the game i feel mm-hmm. like we were up right until the end and then i check it at the end and we lose by four points yeah i, I was so disappointed lost by one. four to temple and then we lose by over 10 to to houston yeah with houston i so i watched that one yesterday we were uh we were putting together some furniture at my house but i was watching that we were close the whole game i mean it, the first three quarters of the game, not that it's in quarters, but if you split it into three quarters, the first three quarters, we were tight with them. I mean, we were ahead at one point. We were within two points most of the game. But then that, that last seven or eight minutes, we just we went down. We, we lost by quite a bit. I think it was 15 was the, uh, the final separation in the, in the game. And that, it's just heartbreaking to lose that many games. And not to mention the, the uh, conference openers 
Um, now we're zero and two in the conference, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's getting we're, tough tough we're, for the kids. To now we're, we're now we're tied for tenth in the conference, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and my, my boy Matt Milan, he's he's not getting it done. He's not getting in his mm-hmm. groove. Well, I'm looking at the stats for this Houston game to see. You know, we're 34 percent field goal percentage to their 38, 23 and three pointers to their 28, 62 and free throws to their 79. So I mean, and that's been our Achilles' heel is we can't make free throws to save our lives. We haven't for almost a decade now. But you know, then you look at rebounds, 41 to 45, assists, 15 to 12, similar in blocks. They had five more steals, but you know, it's 16 to 15 turnovers. It's not like we, you know, shot ourselves in the foot. Like we were neck and neck with them. Like you say, when you look at the stats, there's really no reason we lose by 15. There's no reason to lose by that much. The biggest thing, and a lot of people were complaining about it on Twitter, was at one point I think they had 32 free throws and we had had two at that point in the wow. game. Like we we just weren't getting the fouls or and you know things happen or it's a coincidence, but we just we that aspect of the game was definitely not even. So. uh you know, we dropped that one. We've got some more big ones coming up. Doesn't get any easier for the Knights right now. Eventually mm-hmm. it will, but we've got SMU. Um, you know, we're going to be playing at SMU, and then uh, we will have another home game against Cincinnati, who is a stud team as well. So um, hopefully they can turn it around a little bit and get back and, and be competitive in the conference. But right now, not looking so hot for UCF men's basketball. Yeah, we'll see. And I believe after those two games, which you know, F- SMU is you know towards the top third of our conference, and Cincinnati is a is traditionally a really good basketball team. I mean, they're usually a perennial top 25 team that competes and gets in, you know, usually gets in as like a, a seven to four seed in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, they're not going to be easy. But, you know, after that, we start getting the Tulane and Tulsa and some team, those teams we should be beating. Like we're, you know, we talked earlier and I was getting really amped. You know, we we're sitting at nine and two and there's, you know, this is, this is, our, this year is, you know, completely up for grabs for us. And, you know, these two, these past three games start to show that we're not, you know, who we thought we were. We're probably more of a mid-tier team this year, which we kind of thought we would be, you know, at the beginning of the season. We lose a lot of key players with Taco Fall leaving, and you lose um, BJ. BJ is a, he was a huge yeah, glue for our team for four Dawkins, years. Dawkins I mean. is going goes to the NBA, so you lose a lot of really big players, and, uh, you know, you, you do have rebuilding years. It's just going to happen. That's the nature of any kind of team, so... Thankfully, we have a lot of freshmen on the squad. We have a lot of juniors. Colin Smith is a junior. I mean, really, the only people that we're going to lose is Matt Milan and on and and not Diggs, but uh, uh, Ingram. Yeah, Ingram, and, he, and Ingram's a stud. Um, but hopefully, we can keep reloading and mm-hmm. and, and keep it going. But uh, that's where we are right now. Uh, Orlando Magic basketball. Uh, 16 and 19 at the moment, still eighth in the East. Still eighth. We've been eighth for like the last like two months. Like we're just sitting there and not going to, we're two and two or we're two and two the last, uh, four games We're five and five, our last 10 games, we're just kind of perpetually 500. That's just what we are. And you can get into the NBA, you can get into the playoffs at 500 and maybe something just clicks against, I mean, at this point we would be playing the bucks in the first round, which, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe the Magic are gambling that uh, that their stud, the, uh, the the Greek freak, may be injured or something that first round of the playoffs, just like by chance. And maybe that's why they're holding that eighth seed because I mean, he is he is the Bucks in so many ways. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Bucks are good, but that guy makes a difference. If he's not on the team, I think we got a good shot. Antetokounmpo. Yeah. No. No. If he's not on the team, they're not even a top eight team. Right. He is. He is. I mean, I'll take that. They do have some pretty good players. Middleton's a good player. 
Um, and they got his, I mean, they got his younger brother, who would never be anything like he is. But you know, they're a, they're a very good basketball team. They're thirty-one and five, which is absurd. I think yeah. the only other team that has single-digit losses are the Lakers, and they might. And I, I might be wrong. They might have lost their tenth game at some point, but you know, they're uh, they're having a great year. They could end. They can be. They're going to be very close to that. You know, I'm not going to say that they're the best team ever. Like you know, Golden State had that now has the record for the most wins in an NBA season. I don't know if they'd reach that mark, but if you keep going the way they are, they have the chance to be 62 and 10. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's, we'll see how they, we'll see how they keep, well, they keep pushing through the season. The East is all as usual, always very weak. The West is a lot weaker. I mean, if we could make it to the, I don't think we'd ever make it to the finals anytime soon. We need a couple more pieces, but at, this is the best time for the East in the NBA because the super teams are gone. They're now split into duos. You've got three teams out west that are just two te- two, two players, and it gives a ch- it gives anybody over in the east side a chance because if you can get a couple more pieces yourself, you can compete with the Rockets and the Lakers and the Clippers. Like those are the team; those are the creme in the west. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, they did beat the Miami Heat last night. Yeah, number three seed for us. So I mean, that was a pretty big win, and they're probably our biggest rival. I the, hate the, the Heat. thing about the Heat is like we. I don't think we've ever been. <laughs> super good at the same time i feel like we've mm-hmm. like gone back and forth where they've had their dynasty for a while we mm-hmm. had howard and our our deal for a while you know we had Shaq way back when and i mean they had alonzo at that point but it's never been like we're like the two top teams in the east going head to head correct and uh right now they're sitting pretty at number three <laughs> like you said and uh we beat them by 20 points last night yep i mean i'll be honest i didn't i didn't watch the game and i can't i, I don't know if you know their top players were playing or not? They might have been on rest or something. Uh, but who's their big guy? Uh, God, the guy's been bouncing around a little bit. I can't even think. Oh, of Jimmy it. Butler. Jimmy Butler. He was playing. Okay. Um, but the you know the thing about being in Orlando is there's a lot of Heat fans here, so they were chanting for the Heat when they started to bring it back. I mean, we got up by a little bit, and uh, the Heat the Heat started to bring it back, and half the fan well not half the fans but a lot of the fans were were cheering for the uh, the Miami Heat and. Uh, Orlando had to overcome that, and they they brought it back and, and smashed some of those guys down. And I've gone to some Magic games where there's a ton of Heat fans there, mm-hmm. and it's usually when we're not very good, and it's just fun to be there. But uh, it's uh, you know this rivalry is is getting better, I think. It is, and I'm looking at I'm looking at the stat sheet now. I mean, Terrence Ross coming off the bench for 25 points, flame on. I love that guy. Oh yeah, I'm so glad we resigned him. He was the difference. He was. Did you see the statistic that I saw on Twitter that we have like maybe like, it was like the sixth like highest payroll. Yeah, in, in in like in like all of sports, not I, even like you know in the NBA. Like we have we have one of the highest payrolls in the NBA. I know we're in trouble for that reason, but I didn't yeah. know that we were the sixth highest. I just knew we have to make some like in, like some the, changes here. I thought when I saw that at first, I thought it was NBA, and then you see stuff like Yankees and Barcelona on that list, and I'm like, uh oh, that's not good if little Orlando's <laughs> competing yeah. with their payroll. So we spent a lot of money. Speaking for, of Orlando, I like the hat you have on today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I got yeah, I got alternate. The alternate city version, whatever. Yeah. But I love it. I love that orange and, and, and what is this? Anthracite? Is that the color? <laughs> yeah. UCF Anthracite. Yeah, it's that. beautiful. <laughs> I got it yesterday from the mall. It was, I was very excited. It's very cool. This hat. It gives us a new look. I, you know, we've been doing those pinstripes for so long. They get mm-hmm. a little boring. It's nice. To, it's nice to switch it up. And they have the really nice alternate uniform. That's like their space uniform. Um, with like the start with the galaxies in the background. That looks really cool. I have a space hat. I mean, so they, they got some pretty cool stuff. I like it. Very cool. Well, we're going to keep cheering on the Orlando Magic. Um, Absolutely. I mean, at this rate, we could, I mean, it's just, I just want two back to back years to be in the playoffs would be amazing. Oh, That's yeah. That's what I want. I want to go to another playoff game. I would love it. 
Well, you know, the other thing that's in the playoffs right now that we haven't mentioned yet is the NFL is starting the playoffs today. We've got two big games on today. You know who's not playing in the playoffs? <laughs> the, the Jaguars. Jaguars. Yep. But they are making big changes, right? I, I mean, have they let go of Marone yet? I mean, no, he, no. You didn't hear about this? No. No, they kept Doug Marone and their and their and their uh, uh, general manager Dave Caldwell. They're both going to stay in for next year. All right. Well. Yeah. Good so, luck to the Jag fans <laughs> and our and our arguably our best player, the best defensive end in team history, Enik Nagakwe is probably not going to resign with us. So uh, Tom Coughlin chased away Jalen Ramsey, and he chased away Enik Nagakwe, and we're just going to keep sucking. Well, Yay. maybe you guys will get another quarterback in the uh, in the draft this year and, and ruin your Minshew don't, magic. Why, why would you do that? I no, I mean, you guys, you know you need... Ruin the Minshew You know magic. you need O-line, right? We need, we need a lot of things. Yeah. We need offensive line. We need more receivers. We, we need receivers. We need... Yeah. We need... Uh, Leonard Fournette's fine. We don't need any more running backs. We got that. That's fine. We need all new linebackers. We need all new defensive backs. We need now D-linemen. We need a new football team. Yeah, and I like the Jags. I don't mean to put them a, you know, I don't on your know, side. You know, I, I want them you, to do well. You can well. be one of the two Jags fans in here because I'm out. Screw Jacksonville. <laughs> I'm done. Well, the team that I do go for now is playing in the the game today. They're playing against the Texans. The uh, the Buffalo Bills are, you know, are playing in Houston. So you know who beat the Bills in the playoffs the last time they were in the playoffs? Yeah. And you know who was cheering against them the last time? Uh, who, yeah, Me and fine. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were both against the Bills at that point. I had to secretly cheer for them, uh, you know, but Bortles was still on the team at that yeah, point. Exactly. So. Go Bortles. Um, so they're playing today, and then later in the day, the uh, Patriots and the Titans are playing. Yeah, it's inter- when you look at that, it's actually interesting because two teams from the AFC South and two teams from the AFC East both playing. So I'm hoping my, my pick, I hate the Patriots, but you can't, as a Jacksonville fan, you're not allowed to root for the Titans under any circumstance. That's like... Basically, it's like you'd have to you know commit Japanese samurai seppuku. Like if you if you if you ever I don't draft t- Tennessee players onto my fantasy team. I hate them. I hate them <laughs> with a passion. So I want them to lose no matter what. Even if that means the Patriots advance another round, I'll I'll take that sacrifice. Whatever. All right. I hope you're listening. And I'm rooting for the Chris Bulls. Klub. Yeah, Chris. Sorry, Chris. No, I really like Chris, except for that. Like he like he likes to jab at me occasionally on Twitter or Facebook with like his Twitter stuff, and there's times I've almost wanted to text him and be like, "Chris, I want to be friends with you, but you're making it very hard. Stop it, just stop it." Well, and the Bills, go Bills! I'm rooting yeah. for the Bills. Too. All right, good. We're on the same page. Then tomorrow we got a couple games: Saints and Vikings, and then uh, Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks and Eagles. So tomorrow we've got some UCF guys who are going to be on display. Mm-hmm. So if you're, I'm rooting for the Saints just because of UCF. Absolutely. That'd be great, mm-hmm. and because my. My step uh, mother in law is a huge Saints fan. So, how about the Seahawks? I like the Seahawks. Yep. I love the Seahawks. I love Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's one of my favorite quarterbacks. So right. I'm like watching him play. And they, and, got, they got, and they got some UCF players. They got the Griffin twins. Right. So. And they got the Beast back. Uh, oh, that's right. They re signed um, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. He's fun to watch. He, he's great to watch. Did you see his video of him coming back to the NFL? Opens the door and it's just Skittles. Was it Skittles? It was, it was, it was hundreds of thousands of Skittles pouring out of his car. I didn't know what candy that was. Oh, you you, you don't know about his whole thing about Skittles? No. He's actually sponsored by Skittles. Oh, he's really? had his, He has like a special Marshawn Lynch edition pack. Like he's a, like his thing is he's on the sideline and he has a, like a, an assi- like one of those like young assistant player people who carry Skittles for him and they give him Skittles. That was like his whole thing. Wow. If you watch uh, if you watch also want a good like some good entertainment. He was on an episode of Man vs. Wild with Bear Grylls, and he brought Skittles with him, and he didn't tell like the crew or anything like that. He's just pulling them out and eating them, and like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be eating like dead snakes and 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 squirrel poop, and he's like, no, nah, I'm just like shoveling Skittles into his mouth. It was hysterical. That's so funny. that's his thing is he's big on Skittles. 
So very cool. Well, that's about uh, all we have for for this week's show. Um, yeah. Unless you have anything else you want to add? No, there's nothing else to add, really. I mean, we got some. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about you know Magic and UCF basketball next year. I mean, oh, we got a little bit. Make sure you pay attention to the national title game. Should be a good one with um, got Clemson versus LSU. So yep. who do you got on that game? I think LSU is gonna win big, but. You know, I I feel weird going against Clemson because of what they did last year. So. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the Clemson game versus Ohio State? I watched parts of it, and I know Ohio State fans were really pissed off. They were. It was a really good game. I enjoyed watching it. Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. I've never. I mean, I really never watched Clemson that closely before, but it was a good football game. LSU is probably going to win though. Joe Burrow is just. I think so. Unreal. Eight touchdowns. Yeah. Eight through seven touchdowns in one half against Oklahoma, a top four team in the yeah, nation. That's, that's absurd. Who I mean, do you think Tua is coming back next year? Uh there's act. I mean, he's supposed to announce that if he is or isn't in a couple of days. I think he said like on the sixth or something wasn't making his announcement. People but are saying he's going to come back. That's what I've heard. People. If are that's saying, the case, you're going to have Fields, you're going to have Tua, and you're going to have Lawrence all in one NFL draft. All in one. You can argue that's probably one of the that'll be one of the deepest NFL drafts ever. Yeah, in for, terms of just for pure talent. Holy cow! If I mean, if there's one quarterback, if Tua announces he's coming back, Jacob Fromm needs to leave Georgia right then. Because he's the fourth man out in that draft if he comes back as senior. There's no way he's going above those four. So right. he would become highly coveted just because he's he's not as good as those guys, but he'd be one of the few choices this year. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, I mean, geez, that's that's just studded. So <sighs> tank Jacksonville needs to tank next year as well. So yeah, we can get I think one everybody's going to be tanking. I think. Exactly. It's going to be like that South Park episode where everyone's trying to lose. Dolphins fans are going to be really pissed because the, their whole model this year was tank for Tua. Yeah. So if he, I'm going to come back, Dolphins fans are like, what was all this for? <laughs> Waste of a year. So we'll see how that, but no, great. Good stuff. Well, that's uh, that's the end of our show. Let's do our shout outs here, or not our shout outs, but our, our plugs. Our plug. Oh, we got oh, our shameless plugs. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you follow me at, at Coach Boozos on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow uh, Todd over here at, at HauserTube on Twitter. And then you got our Three Night Bender Twitter account. You know, you can find us on uh, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We don't have all the social media. You know, sub- like, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, um, SoundCloud. I like, this. I like to make that plug. Check out my SoundCloud. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. But make sure you give a look at us. We know we appreciate all the listens and uh, charge on, guys. All right. Charge on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.